0: As we come to Revelation chapter 18 this evening, our very simple theme is Babylon has fallen. Babylon has fallen. Some of you might be aware of the recent social media trend of women recording a video of themselves asking the men in their lives, how often do you think about the Roman Empire? Sounds very random indeed, you might be thinking. But this has been all over TikTok and Instagram I don't know if any of you ladies have asked your men this question. If I've been more organized, I might have asked Hannah to put a question into the Women's Fellowship WhatsApp group last week and said, ask your your husband, your father, your brother this week, how often do you think about the Roman Empire? And we could have discussed the results over coffee this evening. Uh, But the women who have done this have been left shocked to discover that apparently their husband, their boyfriend, whoever it is that they ask, actually thinks about the Roman Empire anywhere from once a month to a couple of times every week. And people are intrigued as to why this would be the case. Why is it that men would think so often about the Roman Empire? Part of the reason could very well be because of what the Roman Empire was like when it fell. And perhaps some men, and this has been discussed in, in various other platforms and podcasts recently, Perhaps some men are wondering if we're about to see the fall of our own culture today, given the mess that it's in morally and spiritually and the resemblance it bears in that sense to the Roman Empire. Well, Revelation 18 makes this definitive announcement about the world in verse 2. Babylon has fallen. Babylon has fallen. As we saw this morning in Revelation 17 and 18, Babylon is a picture for us again this evening of the world. The world which seems so attractive, which just seems to be going on as it always has, but which in fact is wicked and idolatrous and headed for judgment. Uh, And we saw that judgment coming in Revelation 17, and it's pronounced even more clearly here in Revelation 18 that Babylon... The world as we know it has fallen. In 2013, a movie was released called Olympus Has Fallen and it was about an attack on the White House, Olympus being the code name for the White House and it was one of these big sort of over-the-top action dramas of terrorists attacking the White House and actually getting into it and taking everybody prisoner or putting them to death. And then a sequel came out in 2016, London Has Fallen and Again, it was a sort of over-the-top action movie, terrorists completely overrunning London and, and taking over the government. And it's a somewhat curious feature of our pop culture that we like to imagine disaster. That we imagine what it would be like if the worst possible events actually happened. And those events are depicted for us sometimes in the books that we read or the films that we watch. Well, Revelation 18, friends, declares what for many people around us today would be the worst possible thing to happen. Fallen. Fallen is Babylon the great. For John's first readers, the Roman Empire was Babylon. Rome was wealthy. Rome was powerful. Everyday life for ordinary people in Rome was dominated by pagan worship and pagan imagery and The claims to deity of the emperors. And as Rome's decadence grew stronger, its morality grew weaker. And eventually, friends, Rome fell. And many other empires since Rome have risen and fallen. And today, the Western world, which has so long been dominant, as I said earlier, it's increasingly similar to the Roman world in in its decadence and its injustice and its moral murkiness. And Revelation 18 is telling us, friends, two things. It can, it's telling us both what can happen in our world at any time. Uh, a, a fall of a, Babylon, a Babylon-like city or a Babylon-like culture. That can happen at any time. And this chapter is also telling us what ultimately will happen at the very end to the whole ungodly world in which we live Five things to highlight to you from this chapter this evening. We're going to move through them fairly quickly. Uh, But the first thing that we learn from this chapter, which is really a chapter all about the world's judgment. uh, And the first thing we learn is the certainty of the world's judgment. The certainty of the world's judgment. Another angel begins speaking to John here at the beginning of chapter 18. Uh, Notice that he's described as having a mighty voice. In verse 2, he also appears in in great brightness of glory. Some commentators suggest that this figure may even be the Lord Jesus Christ himself. Either that or it's an angel who has been in the presence of the Lord Jesus in heaven. And so is reflecting the glory of Jesus on the earth. But notice that the angel speaks in a mighty voice in verse 2. And that emphasizes the certainty of what the angel is coming to declare. Look what he says in verse 2. Fallen, fallen is Babylon the Great. She has become a dwelling place for demons, a haunt for every unclean spirit, a haunt for every unclean bird. In its pomp at its peak, the real historical Babylon was a beautiful place, uh, famous for its hanging gardens and for its technological innovations and its libraries and its infrastructure and its education. The city of Rome was the same in John's day. The envy of the world. a centre for trade and commerce and education and travel. But the angel here says that such places. The world's finest places. Will become ghost towns. Rather than the world's biggest brand names rushing to be there. To get their spot on Madison Avenue so to speak. The city's main streets will be abandoned. Will be dark. Not just. Literally, but spiritually, everyone will abandon them. It'll become a sort of a spooky ghost town. That's what Babylon will become. But friends, notice this the certainty of this. Fallen, fallen is Babylon the Great. She has become a dwelling place for demons. Notice there the present and, and past tenses being used. The, the angel doesn't tell John that this will happen. He says that this has happened. The sinful world, as we thought about this morning, the realm of Satan has fallen. Why is it announced like that? After all, in John's day, this hadn't happened yet for the the Babylon type entity that there was in John's day, uh, the Roman Empire. As John wrote these words down, Rome was still the superpower of the world. And it would be for a few hundred more years. And for us today, although yes, the Roman Empire is long gone, the world continues and other types of entities have risen up. Other beastly powers, like we thought about this morning, have been used by Satan to attack the church and to draw the, the people of the world into the pursuit of wealth and lust and power. Babylon is still going. Friends, the reason the angel says it has fallen is to emphasise the certainty that it will. It will. God has decided it. God has decreed it, and so it may as well have already happened. And the Bible does this in a few places. Sometimes something is described as already hap- having happened to emphasise the certainty that it will happen. Uh, maybe the best and indeed a, an encouraging example of this is in Romans chapter eight, verse thirty. Paul lists a number of things that have already happened for those of us who are Christians. And then he mentions something that hasn't happened yet. He says in Romans 8 verse 30, Those whom he predestined, he also called. Those whom he called, he also justified. Those whom he justified, he also glorified. Notice he says glorified. If you're a Christian today, you have already been justified. But you haven't yet been glorified As we sit here this evening, we're still waiting for, for our glorification. We're, we're waiting for our resurrection bodies. We're waiting for the moment when we get to go to heaven and be free of sin and enjoy new life to its full. But Paul says you have been glorified. He's, he's emphasizing to his friends the certainty that it will happen. God has decreed it. God has decided it. So it's done as far as God is concerned. And that's what's being emphasized to us here in Revelation 18. God has decreed the fall of Babylon. And so it is a certainty. It will happen. Jesus, of course, emphasized this certainty in his own teaching. at Matthew 24, verse 13, he said, The end will come. Verse 44 of that chapter. The son of man is coming. People think this world will just go on and on. The rich will keep getting richer. Premier League matches and Rugby World Cup matches will just keep being played. And concerts will keep going on. And elections will keep going on. And everything else will just keep happening forever. But it won't. The end will come. And those parts of our world friends today that are particularly Babylonian the sexual immorality the paganism the greed the lust they will fall it's a certain day that judgment will fall on this world but not only do we see the certain day of the world's judgment we see the call to separate from the world before its judgment the call to separate from the world before its judgment you look at verse 4. Then I heard another voice in heaven saying, Come out of her, my people, lest you take part in her sins, lest you share in her plagues, for her sin is heaped up as high as heaven, and God has remembered her iniquities. Notice that word remembered, which I emphasized to you as we sang Psalm 137. Again, we're reminded of the words we considered this morning in 1 John chapter 2. Do not love the world or the things of this world. Think too of the words of Jesus. You remember what he prayed for all of us as people the night before he died. John seventeen fifteen. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. So friends, Jesus does not expect us to retreat from the world physically in in a sense that we just enter into a holy huddle or that we either literally or metaphorically go into a bunker. Uh, Jesus knows, friends, that we, we are called to live in this world, but he does not want the world to live in us. He does not want the world to live in us. Come out of her. That's what it means. Separate yourself from her morals and her practices and her worship. Not everything that the world celebrates can the Christian celebrate. Not every flag that the world waves. Not every cause for which the world marches should the Christian march for. Not everything that the world puts up on a screen to watch or to listen to as entertainment can the Christian Receive as legitimate entertainment, whether it be in theatres or in their living rooms or bedrooms. Come out of her, my people, lest you take part in her sins. Friends, this is a call to holiness. This is what holiness is. Separation. Difference. We don't just blend in or fit in with the world's idolatry. And my concern in our day is that many Christians in our culture are putting a lot more effort into looking and sounding and acting like the world than they are into separating from the world. And as I've said to you before, nowhere is this more clearly seen than in how Christians use the Lord's Day. Evening services are an endangered species in these islands. Where are the Christians? What are they doing? They're going out for coffee, they're ordering in pizzas, they're catching flights for their holidays, they're acting just like the world. How are our friends and neighbours supposed to find out that there is something infinitely more fulfilling, more important for them? If their Christian friends and family are acting as though there is nothing better to live for than the things that the world is already living for, even on this day, come out of her. Don't just go along with the world. Be different from the world. This is the gracious warning that the Lord Jesus declares to men and women and boys and girls tonight. Get the world out of your life. We are to love the people of our world. We seek the good of our neighbours and our communities. But we do not love the things of this world. Wealth, power, lust, self-worship. As we saw this morning in Revelation 17. They're in a golden cup gleaming and shining held out to us. But inside the cup is filth and muck. It will not satisfy the thirst of the parched human soul. And people say if God hates the way I live my life. If God really exists and is going to punish sin. Where is he? It's not stopping any of the things that our world is doing. That's the same question, of course, that they asked in Noah's day. The angel tells us here, verse 5, God has remembered her iniquities. They're being piled up like debits on a bank statement. And when God chooses, the bill comes due. He's being patient. He's giving us time. His saving grace is being recorded each day, as we sang earlier in Psalm 96. But he is warning us, come out of her. Because Babylon is as good as fallen. The certainty of the world's judgment. The call to separate from the world before its judgment. Thirdly, the suddenness of the world's judgment. The suddenness of the world's judgment. Most of this chapter is made up of various groups of people lamenting the downfall of Babylon. We'll think more about that in a moment. But throughout the chapter, everyone is shocked by how suddenly Babylon has fallen. Look at verse 8. This is still the angel speaking. He says, For this reason, her plagues will come in a single day. This is not going to be a long process, the angel says. The judgment is coming. It is coming suddenly. It is coming completely all at once. Look at verse 10. The kings of the earth say, Alas, alas, you great city, you mighty city, Babylon. For in a single hour your judgment has come. And notice those same words, friends, in a single hour. That they're repeated a few times. Verse 17. In a single hour all this wealth has been laid waste. Verse 19. In a single hour she has been laid waste. So four times in the chapter, the suddenness of God's judgment is emphasized to us friends. And again we need to remember the two levels on which we can apply these words. One level is the final judgment, the return of Jesus Christ still to come, and that judgment will certainly be sudden. Jesus emphasized that to us in chapter in Matthew chapter 24, the son of man is coming at an hour you do not expect. But the other level in which we can apply Revelation 18 is the present judgments that God brings on our world. We've emphasized this all the way through Revelation. People say, where is God when things go wrong? Where are you when things go wrong? Do you not realize that it's another trumpet sounding? It's another warning sounding to you to be ready to repent. And things can happen so suddenly in our world and they are designed to urge people to repent It took five years, for example, five years to build the Twin Towers at the World Trade Center in New York City. Those symbols of Western capitalism and power and success. It took one hour and 42 minutes for those buildings to collapse into dust and rubble. I was interested to come across an article this week written by uh, the Reverend Warren Peel, he wrote it in April 2020 uh, on gentlereformation.org. And it was about a month after the COVID lockdown began, if you remember those days, April 2020. And referring to Revelation 18, uh, here's what the Reverend Peel said. In no time at all, the world has changed. Plague has brought the global economy crashing down. Trade and industry has grown to a standstill except for essentials. Shops are closed and long-established household brands are going bust. It used to be you could sample a different world cuisine for every night of the month. But now all the restaurants lie empty. The musicals in Broadway and the West End are cancelled. Weddings are out of the question. All the things that Revelation 18 talks about. You remember how suddenly all of that happened back in... March and April 2020. One day the world was it as it always been, and in a single day it stopped. And it's that sense of the routine and familiar, the, the seemingly unchangeable things of life that suddenly come to an end here in Revelation eighteen. Look at verse seven. Babylon is at ease, relaxed, self confident, and then suddenly destroyed. As she glorified herself, verse 7, as she glorified herself and lived in luxury, so give her a like measure of torment and mourning, since in her heart she says, I sit as a queen, I am no widow, and mourning I shall never see. And again, verse 8, for this reason her plagues will come in a single day, death and mourning and famine. And if you run your eye over verses 22 to 24, again, friends, it lists for us the The familiar things, the routine things of life suddenly stopped. The sound of harpists and musicians, verse 22, will be heard no more. A craftsman of any craft will be found no more. The light of a lamp will shine in you no more. The voice of bridegroom and bride will be heard in you no more. All that is familiar suddenly stopped. Any culture or society is more fragile than it appears. We think the institutions and power structures and patterns of living all around us are so permanent. In a single hour, friends, it can fall apart. And it's a picture for us of what will happen to our world at the very end. The Certainty of the world's judgment, the call to separate from the world before its judgment, the suddenness of the world's judgment. Fourthly, sorrow over the world's judgment. Sorrow over the world's judgment. There are two reactions to Babylon's fall in this chapter. The first is sorrow. The second is satisfaction or even rejoicing, which we'll think about in a moment. But let's think about the sorrowful reaction first. Three different groups of people express sorrow with the fall of Babylon, They are the kings of the earth in verses 9 and 10. The merchants in verses 11 to 17. And the shipmasters and sailors in verses 17 to 20. And these people friends represent the most powerful and influential people. Who were taken in by Babylon. Who to use the very striking picture of this chapter. Committed sexual immorality with her. They are the ones who mourn her fall. And of course this is not to say that every king or every businessman or every wealthy person who has ever lived has been a worldly unbeliever. That's not what I'm saying. Uh, but it's saying that many of them were. Many of them are. And when Babylon falls such people will be full of sorrow. Because they bought into Babylon and they have built their lives on Babylon. And they have made their wealth from Babylon. But actually, when you, look click, when you look closely at what they're saying here, they're not really sorrowful for Babylon as such, but they're sorrowful for themselves. They're sorrowful for themselves. Look at verse 15. The merchants of these wares, notice, who gained wealth from her will stand far off. So suddenly they're not so keen to be part of Babylon in fear of her torment. Weeping and mourning aloud. So notice they gain from Babylon and now they stand far off. They keep their distance. It's like they're they're scared to get too close in case they too get struck down in judgment. And of course that's exactly what is going to happen to them. That's why we had the warning back in verse 4. Come out of her or you will be judged just like her. You remember what happened to Lot's wife as Lot and his family were led out of Sodom and Gomorrah right before those cities were destroyed by God. You remember Lot's wife looked back and she became a pillar of salt. She looked back with sorrow like these kings and merchants are doing in Revelation 18. She looked back at the world she had loved. Her feet went out of Sodom, but Sodom was still in her heart. And these foolish, unrepentant, ungodly kings and merchants, they weep and they mourn, not really for Babylon, not out of any concern for anybody else. They weep for themselves, for all that they've lost and all that they will now lose, because they know that their judgment is coming. Is this the situation in your life this evening? As you sit in this building or as you listen from elsewhere... Maybe you've seen those gut-wrenching pictures that sometimes appear in the news. Devastated people in Libya or Hawaii recently looking at the, the spot where their homes once stood. And now it's just absolute devastation. Everything, materially speaking, that they had gone in a single hour. Dear friend, that will be you for all eternity. If you do not come out of Babylon. Do not weep for Babylon. Babylon has fallen. Come out of her. Put to death the sins that would damn you to the same judgment that Babylon faces. A sudden, shocking, certain judgment. Come to the Lamb. Who will enact this judgment. And receive his grace. Paul says in Romans 5 verse 9. Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, by the blood of Christ much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. If you turn from your sin, if you look unto Christ, you can be saved from this judgment, this wrath of God that is coming. Jesus Christ has experienced the the outer darkness that Babylon will experience. Jesus Christ has experienced the pouring out of fiery judgment that Babylon will experience. He's experienced it so that you don't have to. So that you can say, I am covered by the blood of the Lamb. I am a citizen of the new Jerusalem. So don't weep for Babylon. Instead, cry out with thanksgiving that the Lamb of God takes away the sin of the world. So that's the reaction of sorrow over the world's judgment. But finally this evening, we we see satisfaction in the world's judgment, satisfaction in the world's judgment. It's not just that Babylon has indulged in idolatry. Babylon has also shed the blood of Christ's people. And it's for that reason that rather than weeping for Babylon's fall, the angels and the saints and all God's people are told to rejoice over it. Look at verse 6. Pay her back as she herself paid back others and repay her double for her deeds. Now the phrase there, repay her double, one commentator pointed out that if you look at how that phrase is used in the Old Testament Hebrew, which is what it's based on here in the the New Testament, uh, what it really means is repay her in kind. Uh, The word could be translated duplicate as well as double. Um, And so what is being called for here is not for Babylon to suffer twice as much as she deserves, which would be an imbalance But rather to suffer precisely what she has dealt out upon others. That as she has dealt with others, she now herself will be dealt with. And so this is a call for balance. This is justice in the eyes of God. Look at verse 24, the very last verse of the chapter. In her was found the blood of the prophets and of saints and of all who have been slain on earth. Babylon has been shedding the blood of Jerusalem. And now God says no more. The saints prayed about this to God back in Revelation 6 verse 10. How long before we are avenged? They cried. And now they are being avenged. Babylon is fallen. She receives a duplicate of what she dished out on others. And God's justice is satisfied. And again, friends, this is to be considered with the greatest reverence and care by believers today. Our message today is not simply judgment. Sometimes perhaps harm has been done on the streets of Northern Ireland by people preaching nothing but judgment. We are to preach the grace of Jesus Christ. But we do so knowing that in the face of the injustices of this world that do frustrate us and do anger us, we know that the day will come. When we will see all of that injustice put right. And on that day we will we will give thanks and we will we will take satisfaction in, in the judgment of God. But today we urge people to get ready and to repent. Nonetheless, look at the glimpse of the future that we're afforded here in verse 20. Rejoice over her, O heaven, and you saints and apostles and prophets, for God has given judgments for you, against her. notice that friends. God has given judgments for you. God sees every act of persecution by every Babylon-type figure in our world. He sees President G of China harassing Christians, imprisoning pastors. He sees the radical Muslims of Iran or the radical Hindus of India setting fire to the homes of Christian men and women. And Forcing them out of jobs and out of neighborhoods. He sees every act of mockery. Every snigger in your workplace. Every arrogant celebrity atheist. And if they do not repent. God will pay them back. As they have dealt it out to others. Babylon has fallen. And heaven will rejoice. Just look at the finality of Verses 21 to 22. Then the mighty angel took up a stone like a great millstone and threw it into the sea, saying, So will Babylon, the great city, be thrown down with violence and will be found no more. There's an echo there, isn't there, of Jesus' words that whoever would lead one of these little ones astray, it would be better for them that a great millstone would be uh, attached round their neck and they'd be drowned in the sea. And it's the same promise of judgment for Babylon. Some will mourn this. Others will rejoice in it. And take satisfaction from it. Which will it be for you? Will you be mourning the end of your once great city? and Dreading your own judgment coming before the Lamb? Or will you be rejoicing? Because you came out of Babylon and into Jerusalem, trusting in the redeemed blood of the land for your salvation. For many, of, for many of us here this evening, I know it's the latter, by God's grace, you belong to Christ, you have come out of this world. But friends, in the meantime, Revelation 17 and 18 is warning us today, do not be seduced by Babylon. Don't be thinking you're missing out. By restraining yourself from the sin of this world. Like a prostitute, she is everyone's lover, but nobody's true love. All she can offer you is a golden cup full of filth. Her time is short. And this is why we don't despair when the laws are passed, when the flags are waved, when the nation seems to be declining. We grieve those things, we pray about those things, but we do not despair because of the certain day of judgment, because God remembers the sins of Babylon and God will topple Babylon when he chooses. That's the pattern of history. Egypt once ruled the world, Egypt has fallen. Greece once ruled the world, Greece has fallen. Rome once ruled the world, Rome has fallen when you scroll through the headlines tomorrow, when you look at what's trending on social media, when you see sin being celebrated, remember, friends, this is Babylon. And Babylon has fallen. And the Lamb is victorious. And he will deliver us from the wrath of God that is to come. Amen.